The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. I am Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Westway, and I have promised Amanda I would turn that switch on before I started talking. (laughs) It is good to see you all here today, and it's a joy for me to be able to be um, with you here this morning. Um, We have been studying through the book of Mark, and uh, as John has said, as we go through this book, it seems to uh, arouse some tension within us. And um, one of the things that we have done with this series, if you're new here today, is um, we have received permission um, to print the scriptures in this little book. And so the scriptures are printed on one side and on the other side are questions to help you to study those scriptures. And then our small groups are going through these passages um, each week um, following the message and discussing and answering the questions and the tension that comes to their minds and your minds as we preach. And I pray that you have some tension that comes as we read the word. I know that whenever I study the word each morning in my devotions, it seems as though there's something that comes up that says, oh, I forgot about that. Or I didn't notice that before. You see, Mark is in his book, he's sharing what he's learned from others who were witnesses, eyewitnesses of Christ, predominantly probably uh, what Peter saw or Simon Peter. And he's putting it down in the words so that we will have our attention drawn to it and maybe ask questions about it and dig a little bit deeper so that we might know who Jesus is. And John mentioned uh, last week that as we read through it, it seems as though Mark reflects on the kind of Messiah that Jesus is, and he seems to ask from us three responses. And as we read through it, we see the way people responded in this way. The first one, he said, was to follow. There were a lot of people following Jesus. We'll talk about that a little bit more this morning. Um, the, The second one is... People seem to leave him after he's taught them, asking the question, who is he? Who is the Messiah? And then we also see those who reject him. Well, this morning, I want to uh, have you turn, if you will, in your books or to, the, to your scriptures and follow along as we go through the fourth chapter of Mark. Um, But before we do that, I kind of like to set the scene a little bit. So if you would, imagine, and if you want to close your eyes, I don't care, but imagine that you're there, and you live near the Sea of Galilee. I don't know how many of you have ever lived close to a large body of water, but I've been to the oceans and a couple of them and and by some big lakes and you can just be driving along and smell the fish. (laughs) And so if you will, imagine what that might smell like. Um, If you lived near the Sea of Galilee and you went throughout the countryside, you'd probably see fields of wheat or barley. Um, You'd probably see some pastures with cattle and sheep roaming on them. You might see uh, vineyards where the grapes are growing, and fruit trees. 
And if you were to go through some of these um, little villages that are along the side of the seashore, you would find the markets. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a third world country like uh, maybe Haiti. And when you go to Haiti, they still bring their goods into the market. And there's all kinds of commotion going on in the market. You may see pigs, you may see chickens, um, dead ones and live ones. Um, you may see um, and smell the fish. You'd see the produce stacked up neatly. You'd hear the commotion of the people discussing the price and agreeing on a price. Well, on this particular day, as the people were going about their business in the village and in the, in the marketplace, they were talking. And you would hear them discussing something new is going on in this area. There's this guy. I think his name's Jesus. And he's traveling through the area and he's healing people. Why? I heard he healed a leper the other day. And not only did he heal him, but he touched him. And then there was the paralyzed man. Jesus was speaking in this house, they said, and, and the house was so full of people they couldn't get in. And so they went up on the roof and they tore the top of the roof off and layered it, lowered him down. And Jesus healed him. He'd been paralyzed all his life. Did you hear about that? And not only did he heal him, but he forgave him of his sins. Who is this guy? There were Pharisees there watching. And they didn't like what they saw. And he spoke to them. He knew what they were thinking. And he talked to them about it. And then there's the other guy, the guy that was in the synagogue. And he had a deformed hand. Did you hear about it? He was right there in the synagogue. And here comes Jesus with his disciples. And they come into the synagogue. And Jesus says to the guy with the deformed hand, come up here and stand in front of everybody. And he healed his hand on the Sabbath right in front of the Pharisees. Have you heard about it? He was down by the lake the other day. And there were so many people down there by the lake that he had to get in a boat for fear of being crushed. Who is this guy? I heard he's going down by the lake again. I wonder if we should go see who this is. And so as we set this scene and we think about this, I want us to think about that scene and place ourselves there as if we were listening. Let's begin in Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat, and then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. And he taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. I don't know about you, but there was a time when I had to ask the question, what's a parable? <laughs> well, Jesus was a master at using illustrations. And those illustrations were illustrations that his audience 
would understand. He often used what he called parables. A parable is a story told that would illustrate a truth. Burton Kaufman in his commentary claimed that there were at least five reasons Jesus used parables to teach. And number one was to fulfill prophecy. In Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 through 3, it says this, O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. You see, he spoke in parables because it had been prophesied. The second thing that that Kaufman said is he used parables to confuse the spies of the Pharisees. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later also. The third one was to challenge his disciples to greater spiritual discernment. Are you one of those people that when you read, you want to know more? I hope so. I hope that when you read God's word and you're listening to him speak to you, that you have a desire to have greater spiritual discernment. And number four, the Hebrews were used to this type of teaching. They experienced it all the time. And they understood the use of the parables. And number five, those who wanted to understand and learn could understand. Let me reread that. Those who wanted to understand and learn could understand. But those who wanted to oppose him were confused by it. As you think back about the first three chapters that we've gone through, you might have a certain group of people that come to mind that did not want to hear the message. That would be the Pharisees. But there were a lot of people that wanted to hear more and they followed him and wanted to hear more. I don't know about you, but I grew up on a farm and one of the things that my dad did to teach me was to use what I would call parables. (laughs) He would use the things around us to tell me about who God is. And what he is doing for us. I wonder how many of you found your parents doing the same thing in one way or another at some point in your life. Whether it be about the scriptures or whether it be about just a good lesson that we needed to learn. Well, that's what Jesus was doing when he taught with the parables. And so let's go to that first parable. Beginning with verse 3. It says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted 
grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Maybe you find yourself wondering, what does all that mean? I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining the parables today, but I want to explain enough that you get the idea of what Jesus was doing. And you're not the only ones that didn't quite catch the meaning. You see, the 12 and the other disciples were wondering the same thing. So as soon as they got the chance, they asked Jesus, that's what a good teacher does, you see. He plants the seed of thought and that question in their mind so that they desire to know more. And so he explains it as we go on in verse 10. He says, later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders. When I read that the first time in the New Living Translation, I thought, what? Outsiders? Who are outsiders? And I wrote it down. And then he says, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, They will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. What? He doesn't want them to turn to him and be forgiven? That's the first thought that went through my mind when when I read that the first time. And it caused me to question. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's written right. Because it doesn't agree with other teaching that I've learned. So I began to dig a little bit deeper. And I began to study what it might mean. And I went back to Matthew's account of this same story. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, it says this. Listen carefully. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Well, that makes a little more sense. You see, it wasn't Jesus that hardened their heart. It was them when they chose not to listen. How many times have you as parents out there said something to your children, and it was important, and you know they heard it, but it didn't have any effect on what they did. How to make you feel? <laughs> Why? Why didn't they do what you told them to do? Because they didn't want to listen. You see, that's where the Pharisees were in this. What they were listening to didn't fit with what they believed. They didn't want to hear Jesus speak because it didn't fit with what they were teaching. And they didn't want to change the way they were teaching. I wonder 
if we fall in that spot sometimes. So Jesus explains the Pharisee or the, the parable, beginning with verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Wow, that says to me that this one's pretty important. We better understand what it means. Because if we can't get this one, we're not going to get all the rest of them and there's going to be a bunch more. So let's keep going. He, he continues to explain. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Do we have problems in our life? Are there things that distract us and get our attention and draw us away from his word. And then the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now I think about those illustrations that Jesus used on that day and I think about that seed the seed was God's word. At least it was those who heard God's word. And the footpath was hard. And the seed wasn't able to penetrate the path and, and find any way to grow. And so the birds would come along and snatch it away. Satan is that one who doesn't want us to hear God's word. He doesn't want it to mean anything to us. And if we don't search for deeper answers, we're just like that seed that fell on the footpath. The rocky soil, the seed, there's a little bit of soil there, so it started to grow, but it couldn't go deep because of the rocks. And whenever any problems arise in our lives, we go right back to where we were before because there's no roots holding us in place. We had a tree in our neighborhood. Um, Greg posted a picture of it. It's across the street from his house that in the wind a couple weeks ago, it just blew this huge tree right over. And the roots ripped out the curb for about 15 feet right next to where the tree was. The roots weren't deep enough to hold it up but they still had enough power to wreck those around them. It made me think about this passage. How deep are my roots? How far have I put my roots into the great good soil? 
so that when the winds blow, I'm not knocked over. And then there's the thorny soil. The, the, the soil that the roots grow down good, but when, when issues come up in our life, we're distracted because we think we need to be making more money. Or um, we want to have a great big house. Or whatever those things are that were offered all over in the world today. And so we walk away from the truth and we spend all of our time and attention dwelling on stuff I want. But then there's the good soil. I'm glad Jesus didn't stop with the other soils. The good soil is the soil where the seed was planted and it grew up and it reproduced multiple times of that one seed. That's where God wants us. He wants us desiring to hear him and to pay attention to him and to listen to him and allow his teachings to soak into us and change us. And that others would see it and grow and produce fruit. In fact, Jesus goes on in this and shares how that can happen. In Mark chapter 4 verse 26, he tells another parable. Let's go on there. He says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. By the way, I know we've got some farmers in here. <laughs> um, I know there's at least one that's farming now. I know that there's others that used to farm a lot. The kind of farmer that is talking about, though, is the kind of farmer that's on the top of Nebraska's Capitol building. Do you know what's on the top of Nebraska's Capitol building? The sower, yeah. Some of you didn't even know that. Next time you go to Lincoln, take a look. On the top of Nebraska's Capitol building is this huge statue of a sower who is sowing seeds wherever he goes. That's the kind of farmer that he's talking about here. Not with the great big tractors and the um, GPS and all of that that we have today. Um, but it's the same idea, the same process. And so the farmer's out there scattering the seed. And in verse 27, it says, Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. The, that brought to mind my mind when I was farming after high school. I remember the first time I planted crops, and I remember running out to the field every day, day after day, and picking at the ground to see if that little seed is starting to come up through the, the little sprout that comes out. I had a hard time trusting God to do his job. <laughs> and Jesus goes on, it says, the earth produces the crops on its own. First, a little leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. For the harvest time has come. See, I get that story. <laughs> I know what he's talking about. And if you've ever planted a garden, you do too. 
In fact, we have a huge garden out here that they'd love to have help with the planting and the cultivating um, this year. If you're interested in that, um, you need to talk to me and I'll connect you with the right people. <laughs> um, that's going to happen again this year. It's a great illustration of putting our faith and our trust in God and watching the seed grow and understanding that that seed is God's word. When we share God's word with others. And another illustration he uses is about the mustard seed in verse 30. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. Did you catch that? As much as they could understand. That's how much he taught them. You see this little mustard seed starts out really, really little. But with the power of God, it grows. God's word in our hearts may start out small and very simple. But through the power of God, it grows and multiplies. And others begin to benefit from it. Just like the mustard seed grew to be a huge plant, big enough for the birds to live in and find shelter in, that seed of God's word in our hearts can produce shelter and comfort and freedom for others. If we allow it to, and we allow God to make it grow. And then he goes on in verse 34, he says, in fact, in his public ministry, Mark says, in Jesus's public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. It made me think. One of the things we desire here at Westway is to give you enough of God's word on Sunday morning that it plants that desire to know more and that our desire for you is that you'll be connected with a group, a small group, where you can go and talk about these scriptures and allow that seed to begin to grow within you. And the questions that are in your mind, you can study into the scripture in your small groups and it begins to produce fruit. So if you're not in a small group yet, come see me. I can tell you who, who they are and where they meet and when they meet. <laughs> and there's a purpose for having them. It's a great place to allow that seed to grow. I, I know that in um, the scriptures, and we're using the New Living Translation here, I know that sometimes the wording seems odd to us, especially to those of us who haven't used this translation a lot before in our lives. I want to encourage you, as you study God's word, to read different translations and allow the differences to speak to you and that you would dig a little deeper. And if you have questions about why it's worded the way it's worded, 
Talk about it in your small groups. And if you still have questions when you're done doing that, give us a call. We know some people at Summit Christian College that really dig deep into the word. We'll help you find the answers in his word. As I was preaching and sharing this message in chapel the other day at Summit, uh, one of those professors pulled out his books <laughs> and began to look. <laughs> and there was a difference there, and we discussed it afterwards. And it's important that we understand the correct use of the scriptures. It wasn't big enough that it changes the message or the context, but it was something that deserved looking into. And what it was, was in this passage, in the other translations, in the New American Standard, in verse 24, it says, and he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you and more will be given you besides. And in the NIV, it says pretty close to the same thing. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. In the NLT, it's where he's talking about the more you listen, the more you'll learn. You see the little bit of difference there? How hard you search for his truths is how you're going to get it. Based on the measure you search is how much you're going to find. Makes sense, doesn't it? That's common sense. You see, Mark is wanting us to see who Christ is. Mark is wanting us to understand in this passage that there is a choice that we needed to make. Remember when I was talking about what John had been sharing with us about the three responses that we see here. The first one was people would follow him. The second one was, who is this man? And the third one is we see people reject him. Well, I'd like to change that one just a little bit because I don't want you to reject him. <laughs> I want you to think about that as the choice. Will you accept him? Or reject him. The soil that we're hearing about here today is us. How are we going to respond to him? You see, that's what matters. And Mark wants us to see who he is. In the rest of this passage, in um, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says this. Now remember, he's been teaching on a boat in the lake for a while, then he's been with his disciples and he's explained to them what these parables were about. And then it says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. <laughs> See, they still wanted to hear more, didn't they? But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now remember, in this boat are some fishermen who made their living on water. They knew what these waves could do to a boat. 
If they get big enough, they can actually break the boat apart. And it must have been approaching that at this time. For Mark goes on in verse 38 and he says, Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care what we're, that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I don't know how many of you have ever been out at the lake in the evening when the sun's setting and the water is still and the wind is calm. What does it look like? Glass. The reflection of the sunset is so beautiful off of the water and the trees along the side. It looks like you have two pictures, one down here and one up here. And one's upside down and the other one's right side up. But it's beautiful. That's what I imagine happened here. You see, when Jesus gives a command, it goes on to say, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. What an illustration. What an illustration of his power. They've seen his power in healing. They've seen his power even in casting out demons. Remember the demons knew who he was and shouted out who he was. And he made them leave those that they were in and told them to be quiet. Be still, if you will. Cody read from the book of Psalms, chapter 107 this morning. And what it was, was a description of what we just read from the book of Mark. If you get a chance, go back and read it again. Mark is trying to show us who he is through these illustrations that Jesus used. How much do you want to know? Who he is. Are you leaving here with a desire to know more? Mark doesn't tell us the whole story oftentimes in his writings. But he tells us enough that it should plant within us the desire to know him more. Please keep looking. Keep seeking. Understand that we may not know it all, but as we get together and we search his word, we can be like the soil that sprouted and grew and produced multiple times of what that one seed did. I think about people who I've known who have come to know Jesus, some of them as children, Grew up then searching the word. One just left last night to go back overseas with his family into the mission field. I saw it on Facebook. Chad Leatherman grew up right here in this church. Multitudes are coming to know Christ because we allow him to grow in our lives.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share these words with your family here today. And I thank you for those that are here. I know this room is full of people who desire to know you more. Father, there may be people here with us in this room that don't know you. And we want to share him and, you, and your son Jesus with them. We want them to understand his power. And the change that he can make within their lives. Father, there are a, a number of people that we come in contact with every day. Whether it be in our workplaces or wherever we go at Walmart or whatever. That don't know you. They haven't the foggiest idea of what a parable is. They don't know your love. They don't know your power. It's our responsibility to share and cast the seeds wherever we go. As we go through, are we like the light that is up on the stand? Do we shine brightly for you? Help us to do that, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.